Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to do something a little different tonight. So, let's see. How about, um, I need, how about uh, you and you and you and you go back there and get those outlines. That's Alex. Go back and get those outlines and hand them out right quick because I need your involvement. Oh, Steve's going to help too. Go right ahead. I did. I did. Go right ahead. I did. I don't care. Hand them out. <laughs> I want everybody to take one. I hope you have a pen or a pencil. And if you don't, you can send it to me later. But you'll notice on the back of the outline that I want to collect some ideas from you tonight. I want to collect some ideas on suggestions that you would have to help fathers be these four things. So they're on the back of the outline. We're going to go through some stuff first. Then I'm going to leave it with you. And then you can come up with some things that you can share with us Maybe I can collate all of it put together and write an article about it just from us to help our fathers be what God the Father is. And that's been our theme today, to talk about how as fathers we need to be like God our Father. So I hope you'll help me with that. If you get it done tonight, just leave it in the pew if you want or put it back in the uh, in the rack there or just whatever. Hand it to me, whatever you want to do. Uh, I'll get it one way or the other. Hand it to me later. I don't know. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to, you know, take a mental note of people who participate and those who don't. And No, I'm not going to do that. I just want to get a few ideas. I think it will be helpful. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse number 13. As we think about being the fathers that God wants us to be, but more particularly, being the father that God is. And I mentioned this morning that there are many people, unfortunately, who don't have a good memory of a father. And so when they hear that God is father, it doesn't draw them. It doesn't help them much because they don't know what a good father is so we either need to break the cycle. If you are one who did not have a good father, break that cycle, change that, learn from things like tonight so that you can in the next generation break that cycle. Number two, if you are one who had a father like that and who was a good father, pass it on. Don't allow things to get in the way. Be intentional in being the father that God wants you to be. Let's look at this text together. Let me suggest, number one, whatever expectations you have of, for the future with God are the expectations that you're going to get right now, the present. We're talking about what kind of God the father do you want now, if we were to write things like that, there are a lot of people who would give us different ideas of the kind of father they want. And not all of them would be very good necessarily because 
we might start thinking in selfish ways. But if you have an idea, and this is what this text says, it opens with saying, your hope should be fully on the grace of God. Whatever your hope is, whatever your hope spiritually for the future is, what it really is, is going to determine what expectations you have of God in the present. So if you really want to go to heaven, if I really want to go to heaven, then that's going to make a difference. That's going to say, here's what I'm going to see in God. And I will expect to find it in God. This is what I want. My hope is here. Therefore, in the grace of God, that's where I have put it. And if I have another view, if I'm not sold on that view, then I'm going to be looking at some things from God and wonder if I really want that kind of God. If I really want to follow that kind of God. So Peter begins by saying... You need to get ready and know what your hope is. What are you looking for? What is your real goal in life? Now, this phrase at the end of the verse, uh, rest your hope on the grace is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It may have reference to the second coming. That could be. My opinion is it does not. My opinion is that he is right here saying, because he will say it in 2 Peter chapter 3, we, you know, we're looking for a new heavens and a new earth. But we, here's, we're not looking for the time when the earth's going to be destroyed. We're looking for a time when new heaven and new earth are going to exist. Jesus was not going to come in the first century. Now, I don't know if you buy into that or not. I'm going to tell you, he was not coming in the first century. And the reason he was not coming in the first century was because his word had not been given. And until his word was completed, until the revelation had been finished, he was not going to appear. So Peter's not talking, I don't think, about the second coming. I think he's talking about the revelation of God. He's saying, what is your hope? And it's going to be based in the word. He's telling his readers, we're putting together, I'm writing, and, and the Word of God is being written. It's being prepared, and you better rest your hope in it. There is no hope outside of the Word of God. There's no hope outside of Scripture. We need to be people of the book. We need to begin in the book. We need to stay in the book. We need to look forward to the book. That's the only way that we're going to be able to have a hope for the future. Number two. Mike Grimes sent me an article he told me about after this morning. Mike, if you're online, I never was able to access it. I'll tell you what he said. In describing the concept of Abba Father, which means Father, Father. It's just a the same word, one translated, the other not. However, it's not the same original word. Father, Father. But in Hebrew and in Greek, two different terms. I think it's referencing this emotional, I really need you. So in a dual way, saying it twice, I really need you. He was telling me that a, a man had been in Israel and he noticed 
that a child and his father were talking. And he was told, you're not to call, you're not to use this word Abba for anybody except the one you're going to obey, the one that you're going to commit to, and the one you're going to have a relationship with. So when you say Abba Father, you are saying, I'm listening, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to maintain a relationship. Well, look what Peter said. You are obedient children. Don't conform to the former lusts. Then he says, be holy, for I am holy. Maintain that relationship. I don't know about you, but that's not easy at times for me. And I'm sure at times not easy for you either. Ron asked in class this morning, has anybody recently said, I should have, but I didn't, in your mind? Have you ever thought, I, I should have, and then you go, but I didn't. Or, I should not, but I did. We've all been there. It's tough to maintain this be holy, for I am holy relationship. But only in that relationship will I want to say, Abba, Father. Only in that relationship will he listen to me calling on him as Abba, Father. Because those words put together show an emotional connection between us and God. Starting in verse 17. So, who is God? What are his characteristics as Father? These are the same characteristics that I want you to identify on the back. When you think of something that fits these four things, you can turn over on the back and write that idea that you would have, and that's how we can collect some information. Notice number one, if you call on the Father, God the Father is available. He's available. Peter didn't say, if you call him at this time, if you call on him in that situation, if you call on him, no if. He, gives, he says, if you call on him, period. The only if connected is, are you going to do it or not? It's not tied to time, not tied to anything. God is available. He is at any time and in any place, which is why Paul would write in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. We can call on God anywhere. Now, let me give you a key word for us as fathers and one thought that I have. And then you can add to it on your list. The key word for us, the key word for being available as a father is priority. 
priority. We say this all the time. I just don't have time. Will you do so and so? I don't have time. Well, isn't it interesting that we all make time for the things that are most important to us? Don't we do that? We all do. So the idea is priority. If I'm going to be a good father, if you're going to be a good father, if you're going to expect this out of your father, then you're going to say, you are my priority. Family is priority. I've been haunted for years by the words of the son of a great minister in the church. I'll not share his name because you would know him. But his son said to me, he happened to be a member where I was preaching earlier in St. Louis. And he said, my dad was so busy teaching and preaching to everybody else. He didn't come to my games. He didn't come and participate in my life. Now, preaching is important. God expects those who decide to preach to make preaching a priority to teach the gospel. But I have to do my job as a family man. And it has to have priority. Now, there are times, whether it's preaching or secular work, doesn't matter. There are going to be conflicts when you might want to be with family, but you just can't. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the impression that the son had that his preacher father did not have time for him. That's an impression idea. And he wasn't 12 years old. He was in his late 20s, early 30s when he's telling me this. So he had had time to process it. Let me give you a suggestion. Schedule your family like you schedule your work. I think it works that way. I'm going to give you a secret. And since it's a secret, I'm going to whisper it so that only we know about it. There will be times... When one of you says, can you help me? And I say, I already have something on my schedule. And it might simply be, I'm going home. It might simply be, I'm going to go to Taco Bell because I need it. Uh, five star, sorry. The point is, schedule yourself, schedule your family. You schedule your work. You schedule your business. And you schedule your recreation around all of that. Make time when your family knows that you have put them on your calendar. 
then they know that you're available. If you have other suggestions about how fathers can be available to their families, would you give me those suggestions in writing? I'd love to read them. Number two. Call on your father who, without partiality, judges according to each one's work. God, our Father, is authoritative. Now, He is judging. He is making decisions. He is going to point out what's right. He's going to point out what's wrong. And one day, there's going to be a final statement. You are right. Come, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And you are not. Depart from me, cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. God is authoritative. And he, therefore, as father, is giving us an example that there is an authoritative concept to being a father. Now, granted, we're not God. And maybe the first lesson is when you're in your home, don't become God to your parent, to your children. You're not God. You have authority that God gave you, but you're not God. Here is the key word for fathers in being authoritative as God wants them to be. Here's the word. Faith. Every father, before he even becomes a father, needs to know what his faith is. Because you're going to be having children in this world or you're going to have the children right now that are there and, and they're going to learn your faith. I don't know what it is, but they're going to learn it. Either weak or strong, they're going to learn it. I believe there are many men, well women too, who if they had real faith would never have married the person they married. Because that person is taking them away from Jesus. And they know it. But in the moment, this is just, this is the way it feels right. You need to have your faith. And this faith is going to be the faith of your family. And you're going to pass it down. They're going to find it. They're going to see it. It may not be the faith in your mind you want them to have, but it's the faith they see because of the way we live. The key word is faith. Here's a suggestion. And if you have others, again, you can write those down. How to make or how can a father be authoritative without putting under the thumb? Here's what I would suggest. Know why you believe what you believe. Man, it's not enough simply to say, I know the facts. It's not enough to state what has been preached and taught just 
throwing out the words. That's not enough. There needs to be context. There needs to be depth. You need to know why you believe what you believe. It's not just because the preacher said it. It's not because your parents said it. It's not because the church has taught it. It's because you understand it. You have developed it. You have researched it. You have studied it. And you figured it out. It's your faith. So you need to know why you believe what you believe. Because if you don't know why you believe what you believe, how in the world are you going to expect your children to figure out what they are supposed to believe. Keep going. Knowing, verse 18, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. God is attentive. He pays attention. You know what the word redeemed means? It means to buy back because you've been sold away from him. We did that ourselves in sin. God is attentive. He knows, he understands that he has to step in. He didn't leave it up to us to come crawling in and then say, okay, now that you've crawled back, I'm going to help you. No, no. While we were still Sinners. Christ died for us, Romans 5. To be attentive is to notice what is needed often before it's ever stated. That's being attentive. Pay attention. Watch your children. Listen to what they're saying. Understand what where they're coming from because because you can stop some things before they get too deeply embedded. You can show the path that is dangerous ahead. You can say, I know surely that the path you're on is not right. This passage says to be redeemed. I need to see where you are and bring you back. Here's a suggestion. You see, the key word is humility. The key word is humility. If, if I'm going to be attentive, I have to be humble. I have to realize, some parents don't, that my kids aren't perfect. I also have to realize my kids aren't terrible. I just need to know who they are. But number two, to be attentive, like I said this morning, is, is creating an environment where your children can come to you and talk and question and say, I need help. Pay attention. Well, to pay attention, to be attentive, here is a way to do it. Learn that you don't always have to be right. In fact, you can be wrong. Think in your mind for just a minute. Have you ever heard your dad say, I was wrong. I'm sorry. 
That would be a powerful message. They don't just say it to be saying it. When it's true that you are wrong in a situation, say it. Because that opens them up. That opens their attentiveness to you. If you know of other ways to help a child or a dad to be attentive, I'd love to hear them. Here's the final one. You are not redeemed with these corruptible things. Look at verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ. God our Father is affectionate. Affectionate. Fathers need to be affectionate. A lot of times the worldview is mothers are affectionate and dads are disciplinarians. That's the way it goes in a lot of situations. It's not fair, is it? It's not fair to think that moms should not be disciplining. When your dad gets home, I'm going to tell him what you did and he's going to take care of you. Well, how fair is that? That dad always has to come home and beat the kids. Mom doesn't beat the kids. Dad beats the kids. What's wrong? But it's also not fair to say that dad doesn't get to be affectionate. Hug your kids. But you know the real affection that's involved here with him, with God? Here's the key word, committed. Because affection in the Bible that describes God is about a commitment. It's a commitment to you and a commitment to me. Made long before I ever came into existence. He was committed. He said, I love you regardless. I don't care where you've come from. I don't care where you are. I don't care where you've gone. I don't care how you think or how you do. I love you. Now, I may not agree with you, but I love you. We talked a few weeks back about what do you do with a child when they run off the way you don't want them to go. Well, you never stop loving them. You stay affectionate, but you stay committed. Committed. And the idea of being committed is, here's a suggestion. Don't base your affection for your children on what they do or don't do. Because if that's the case, you're going to go, I love them, I hate them. I love them, I hate them. That's what happens. You love them all the time. It's not about, are they always doing right? It's about, am I as a father committed to them regardless of who and what they are? And then work like crazy to try and help them be who they need to be. If you know some ways that a father can learn to be more affectionate to his children, and I'm talking all of these things that I want somebody to write about are practical, not platitudes, but very practical things. Because on Father's Day, I think it's good to be reminded that our goal is to be a father like God is our father. One to whom our children can say, Abba, Father. Okay. 
we know God the Father. We know what he has done for us. We appreciate it. Maybe tonight. You need to appreciate him and decide to be right with him when you've been wrong. As is our custom, as we sing, our shepherds will meet you here if you need them. Let's stand together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.